Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another edition of 10 Laws with East Forest. Super glad to be back and releasing the sixth episode after we released those first chunks. So I hope you're enjoying it. Um, we're getting some pretty nice feedback out there. An interesting thing about the stats is like the meditation that we put out there seems to be downloaded almost twice as much as everything else. So it's like, uh, maybe that's something you guys want more of. If it is, let me know. Info at eastforest.org. That's where you can send uh, your questions and comments. That's also the PayPal address if you want to support this podcast and send us some money. But please also review it on iTunes, Stitcher, and sharing it on social media and with your loved ones. And anyone you think that might benefit from this podcast would be a great way to support it in its critical first few weeks. So we can just get these things off the ground. I did get a note from Sam out in Florida. He says, I'm really liking the new podcast. The line where you said, I was thinking of doing a podcast of an interview with other people with names Trevor Oswald and what it's like to be Trevor from all the Trevors I can find and interview them. But then I didn't because that would be stupid. It made me about fall off the bench laughing. It's also good to catch up with Lorenzo on there too and see how our lives towards personal exploration connected in so many ways through similar spokes. Keep it up, brother. And it's got one of those little emojis with a, uh, I believe it's a tear coming out of his eyes, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna think that's a tear of, of joy. But anyway, send us your questions or comments if you do have them. Info at eastforest.org. I did want to let you know about a new event I have coming up. It's in New York City, and it just got announced. It's going to be July 18th. I haven't played there in quite a while, and I used to live there, so I do have a lot of old friends. So I hope to see some familiar faces. But it will be on July 18th at Rockwood Music Hall. I think it's stage two, but we are selling advanced tickets and you can get those through their site or you can just go to eastforest.org slash tour and you should see that on there. I also announced this last week, I believe, um, a new venture concert series that I will be doing around the country and that's called East Forest Ceremony. And what is this? Well, East Forest Ceremony is like an idea that I've had to combine concert with ritual. Like I've always wanted, you know, I've always felt that doing something up on the stage and performing, it's awesome, it's fun, but we're, we're missing these elements of ceremony and ritual that is really what the roots of my work is and how this whole sound developed was from the ceremonial realm. So I've always wanted to combine the two, and so I finally was like, let's just do it. So we're going to do these events that have uh, some elements of ritual Imagine that we're in the round, I'm out in the center of the room, there's some beautiful lighting, you can lie down on the floor, there's scents, there's sounds, uh, there's classic East Forest songs, but also some really deep ambient cuts, really heart-centered filled sound meditation cuts, you can really dive deep, and this is all this one big connected journey of um, different instruments and uh just, I'm just looking for a way for you to really dive in deeper. I'm looking for a way to have a much more powerful experience live and to use this music as a technology. So East Forest Ceremony is a venture at doing that. And the, the first one is coming up on May 27th in California in Santa Cruz at 1440 Multiversity. 
And they're doing a whole Discovery Weekend, which I'm actually going to be playing music for. And you can come to that, which is a, a deeper sort of retreat weekend that I'm a part of. But you can also just come to the concert on, I believe it's, well, the 27th. I think that's a Sunday. I believe it's a Sunday or Saturday, whatever. May 27th, Santa Cruz, 1440 Multiversity. You can go to my site or theirs and check out the tickets. I believe they even have a deal where you can have dinner as part of your tickets. You can come there, have dinner, and then come to this ceremony event. We're pretty psyched about it. But otherwise, I was up in Boise, Idaho this last week, came back down here to southern Utah, to the Boulder Town, and I've been here just for a few days and did some hiking, getting back in the groove. Things are getting warm. I can definitely feel the change of season. been doing a lot of writing and music on a project. I look forward to telling you hopefully about more soon. But until then, until then, I'm excited about my next guest. It's my old friend, MC Yogi. And MC Yogi is someone that I had, uh, I've known him for many years, but I had the joy of getting to know him pretty deeply when we collaborated on a record together called Ritual Mystical, uh, his release, and it was in 2016 in August. And it's a pretty groovy thing. The guy, uh, he likes vibey music and he's always saying, yeah, I think we can make it vibier. Let's make it vibier. <laughs> and I think that's something we, I bring up as a good memory. But he's, he's an interesting guy, and he's really created a singular sect for himself in the world with this unique beast that is MC Yogi that combines all the things that he's into, which is sort of like cartoons and yoga and hip-hop and music and having a good time and group cohesion. And he's also got a new book out, Spiritual Graffiti. So we're going to get into stuff like that. And I think you're going to notice about 15 minutes through the fidelity of my mic, it's a lot better. And that's because I forgot to record the first 15 minutes of me. But thank God I'm an Eagle Scout and I had a backup mic. So you're going to hear my backup mic for the first 15 minutes. And then suddenly I, it's like a blanket comes off and the fidelity soars. That's a total music nerd nonsense. It's like, whatever, dude. Anyway, that's what's up. You're going to hear that. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'll see you on the end. This is MC Yogi. So you're at a new house, man. How are you? I am well, man. I am yeah. happy. We just got back from Sri Lanka and it is so good to be home. It was such an epic, long journey, but amazing adventure. I don't even, I couldn't, I don't know if I could point to Sri Lanka on a map. I mean, where is that exactly? So Sri Lanka is sort of like a, it's like a, it's like a teardrop just below the tip of India. And it's sort of like a jewel. Oh, right, it's, right. Yeah, it's a beautiful island. It's all, I think it's like 80% Buddhist. And very, I'd spent a lot of time in India, traveling and journeying to a lot of amazing places, but I'd never been to Sri Lanka. And it was, it's very different than India. What's it's, different about it? Um, well, because it's a Buddhist country, it's, to me, my my experience was it's, it's much more mellow. 
And uh, so the Buddhists are more mellow than the Hindus. Well, just a little more reserved. Uh huh. A little more introspective, and um, yeah, it was it was it was cool, man. It was super beautiful people, amazing food, tropical palm trees, coconuts, beautiful beaches, and uh, beautiful temples. Nice. Is that is that a retreat? That's a retreat. Yeah, that was the first time we'd ever done that retreat in Sri Lanka, and um, I'm, I think we're going back next year because we had just such an amazing experience. We're like, man, we gotta do this again. That's badass. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So um, I was, I know, like we were kind of chit chatting about music and stuff, and it was just getting me thinking about ritual mystical. And I think I was on. Um, in my car the other day and things were on shuffle and like, I think it was breathe deep or something came up and I haven't listened to it in a little bit. You know, I haven't heard some of those tracks and I was just thinking back on our process and like how that whole thing came down. And like the more I thought about it, it was uh, sort of a unique like way that whole thing fell into place. And I was talking to Tim about it and the thing that was kind of maybe the biggest blessing in disguise, I was thinking about like creative process and stuff, was that we had that really hard deadline. Yeah. Which made it sort of horrible, but it yeah. also made it like it probably actually made it what it was in a way. You know what I mean? Well, they, you know, pressure makes diamonds and that album is filled with a lot of jewels and a lot of gems. And I, to be honest, I played those songs in every single yoga class that I teach. I play at least one track from that album and I, you did such a beautiful job, man. There's so many beautiful textures and just such a deep energy and it just lends itself to an amazing yoga experience. So yeah, I think that deadline almost killed us, but three months, if I remember correctly, when you had, when we actually started working to when it needed to be done was three months with like starting from, from the beginning. Yeah, I think that's the fastest record that I've ever been a part of. Yeah, I know. Like you might, I guess people might not understand like the process of, of creating a record, but it's like the writing part might be, it's just one part, right? Because then it's like you have to spend all that time then making it into mixing it and songs. And then you have to spend all that time mastering it. And it's a lot of steps. It's a lot of layers. Pretty tight, yeah. So you use it in A lot of layers. You're like, you lip sync like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I lip sync all my classes and I, in fact if you go to the if you go to the show sometimes we'll have like a lip sync battle so kind of <laughs> what's the creative process like for you normally because i know you're someone who has a lot of ideas all the time yeah, that is true and uh, do you feel like you you're someone like that needs to capture those or you just like just or are you someone that feels like you have to keep that in flow all the time or it might trickle away or is it just like an onslaught in your heart and your mind? It's the way I experience it is like a universe. Like it's always there. Like these clusters of stars, it's infinite, like ideas, but there's always certain sort of planets or stars that shine a little brighter. And um, I keep coming back to ideas over and over again. There's like these reoccurring themes. And for me, my process is, um, really an organization process because there's so much content um, when it comes to like lyrics or concepts or ideas, thoughts, 
you know, patterns, melodies, all that kind of stuff. My real work is creating these constellations because oftentimes like making a song for me is like a putting a puzzle together where I'll have certain ideas or words that I've said in my mind, you know, six years ago that just yeah. never left yeah. and just kind of get like lodged in that. You know how the brain has got a lot of folds and there's just like little words that get like stuck in between the folds and they just stay there. And then um, I'll hear a piece of music and it'll just kind of loosen that up. And then it'll fall together with other sort of clusters of words that came from another experience or another place. And then they kind of form together and it doesn't always make sense. It's not linear. Um, no, I wish I, mean, I were more. Yeah, my experience <laughs> with you is that like, it's, it's a lot of ideas and they're not even all, it's like you, you also do like you draw a lot. It's, it's almost like you need an outlet continuously to keep that thing being expressed yeah if it backs up it gets it gets it's uncomfortable it's like being pregnant for like a little too long you know it's like it wants to come out and um so yeah it's 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 great to be in the stream of just putting stuff out and but i also am of the mind and just more recently i've been really contemplating this and i'm really experiencing the the value of things taking time you know, sure. and not not always being in like a huge rush um, to sort of keep up with the world, but really like going deep and incubating and cultivating and, and sitting and being with the content and cooking it a little more. Um, and Let so that's been my event. yeah. And yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a farmer yesterday, and he was like, you know, when when you're working with compost you have to keep turning it and aerating it and circulating it. And it, there needs to be an aerobic energy um, so that it can do, so nature can do its thing. And so for me, I've been really trying to spend time internally just working with my material, turning it, looking at it, feeling it, reciting it, connecting with it, uh, putting more content into it in the pile, but also like just listening and being like, okay, is this ready to go out yet? And oftentimes, no, it's like it needs time to, to ferment. You know? Yeah. But that's, that's an interesting point, man, because it's like what, what I was talking about with that deadline uh, when we, when we were doing ritual mystical is that it, it forced us to not even have, we didn't have the time to really think about whether something was worthy or ready. We just yeah, had to like, do it. And there seemed to be, a certain that could be a good thing. Yeah. Curtain, yeah. There seemed to be a certain value and our mind had to be like, just let it go, let it go, let it go. Keep creating content, keep creating content. Yeah. We trusted our gut for sure. And we were like, this feels better. This feels ready, but it, we couldn't be too precious about it. And I've, I know for sometimes for me, I, when I kind of have more time, I start to get, it can be a, a tricky, you know? Yeah. Because, uh, I can I can overthink things too, and but it, I'm sure it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes it actually is making things better, yeah. right? I'm sure like there are things we could have done well, differently, think, or we could have made more material, but at the same time, it's it goes both ways. Maybe even more than a double-edged sword, it's like a quadruple blade razor, like you know those new razors, <laughs> where it's got like seven different razors on it. Cut so you. yeah, it can go. It, it, yeah, it can go either way. It can like it create a clean shave, 
or it can cut you. So um, I, or, or I'm very much goatee. You know, I saw an amazing mustache yesterday of a guy whose mustache was in the shape of the Batman symbol, and I thought that was an excellent choice. Just his mustache? Just his mustache and his little uh, goatee. That's pretty badass. That's a bat stash. That's <laughs> <laughs> <was> very creative. <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. But if you, well, I was just going to say, like, if you were Bruce Wayne and you had the Batman mustache, you would almost give it away. Like, your secret identity would be kind of... Yeah, it's a little on the nose. No yeah. Li- <laughs> <laughs> well, you've also been... I remember when we met you, when we were working on that, you were doing a lot of touring. You are really busy. I'm sure you are still. Um, and, I mean, it's an d- interesting beast, like being a, a musician for a career these days in sort of the wild west of music making and you know feeling like you know piece of that pie to keep things sustainable is being out in the world being on social media creating new content and then you wrote a book you know you have to diversify into other ways one because you're interested in it and two because it's just you got to do that right to, to 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 keep keep getting on um so, I mean, like what challenges have come up for you in the past year or two as you've been really busy? And I, I hear you saying, I'm yeah. reflecting back that you're saying a bit about you're wanting a little bit more time and slowing down with things. So maybe that's a reflection of that, perhaps. Yeah, I think being on the being on the conveyor belt, going out, doing a lot of events, like I think we did like 30, 40 cities last year and um you know, just constantly being in, in the plane, airports, hotels. Uh, there's a real joy in that. And I really love connecting with, with the audience and, and meeting people and performing and sharing, you know, my craft. And I absolutely love that. There's a thrill to that. And then there's also like a physical aspect where it really does take a toll on your, you know, on your nervous system. Yeah. And, and sometimes, um, for me, there's like, I'm starting to understand there's seasons, you know, there's, there's times to go out and present. And then there's times to go back in and really cultivate and develop what it is that you want to share with the world, as opposed to just getting caught in this never ending insatiable sort of machine that just wants you to go out, give more, 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 more. And what it, what tends to happen in my, this is just my limited perspective, but it creates a, a culture with a lot of superficial content where people aren't really doing the work necessary to like mine, mine their life and bring forth something that's really going to benefit society or, or be, you know, yeah. You know, well, it's, it's like it, the, there's an older model, right. Of music. Like the old model was you, you, you had a record, you made a record for a year or whatever, and then you toured it for a year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Bruce like, Springsteen toured his album for, I think, it was something like 10 or 20 years, one album. What? Really? Yeah. Boy, wow. I think he was born to run. Um, yeah, I'd heard something about that. But, yeah, I mean, there's something about making, really working to make things that are a little more timeless. And um, that's really what I'm interested in doing, fi- trying to find that balance where it doesn't become so precious that it gets frozen. But at the same time, it doesn't become so superficial that it gets thrown away. 
Yeah, I've always personally been aiming to make things that are timeless. Not, I'm sure part of that's egoic, like you want things to live on, but part of that's also I, I want to like transcend certain fads in a way because you want to feel like the thing you're offering out there. If you're trying to make it an agent of change, that it's 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 beyond just the change of the moment. It's like that deeper level of inspiring yourself and others to. I don't know, certain, even, even musically, like, you know, there's certain fads and it's, some people just go for the, the quick hit, the quick, it's like, oh, that's, yeah. this, these sounds are being used like right now. So I want to use them too, or this effect is being used. And I've always shunned that, like intuitively, it just sort of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I can, um, I can resonate with that. And then at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a weird creature where I really, I really do truly love and enjoy pop culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the certain, it's interesting though, because some of the fads and trends, like if you have a little um, understanding of, of history, you see kind of where they came from. The cycles. And it, yeah. yeah. And that, that's interesting to me because nothing is really new. It's just being sort of refreshed and recycled and, um, yeah, sometimes it feels like as human beings, we have a a short sort of lapse of memory when it comes to like culture and remembering that all these rhythms and all these sounds and they. You know, we're in the electronic age and there's a lot of a lot of new tricks and techniques and I don't know, it's interesting it can go both ways. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, a lot of that too is like when you're working digitally, it's never ending too. And there's the pluses and minuses of that. But again, we come back to this idea of limits and like the value of limits. Yeah, that having a, having a putting limiters on something can be extremely helpful. It creates a structure. Um, it creates a system in which you can, sort of do your best work in but if that um that i don't know it's like being a parent i imagine i don't have kids but i imagine like you know you want to create a structure for your kid but if you put too much structure on them they're going to just rebel and break out and do their own thing so it's trying to find like a living breathing structure that's flexible and fluid enough but can hold space well enough so you can kind of live and breathe and grow inside of it and discover your sound and your voice and um, without well, it's getting like lost. If you, you often draw it with one pen in black and white, you know, I mean, wouldn't it be different if you had infinite pages in every color and you could do it in three dimensional form and like, it'd be fun, but it'd also be a very different practice. Like something about just taking a black pen and creating images is really soothing for you. Yeah. It's just simple. It's right. Yeah. There's a dimensionality to it. That's, that's, sort of very clear cut and and it's like okay great you give me that's what i have to play with i'll just play with that and it's you know it keeps you it keeps you in a certain boundary condition it's almost like the boundary condition we have of just consciousness itself like we're in this on off one zero sleep awake death birth and inside that boundary condition that's what we're given to work with i mean it's it's quite vast and large but at the same time we can sense that there's something infinite beyond that Yet, if we could sense that 
infiniteness at all times and had access to everything. It'd just be like, it's, it's almost like too much to be creative in. And we're creative beings, all, all of us, like all humans, right? That's what makes us who we are. We can create. And perhaps, I don't know, I've always thought that the creative process is something that's the birthright of everyone. And it's a strange era that we pay other people to do it for us. Like we're like, you're a, you're a better singer than me, so I'll pay you and listen to you. Or, you know, you're a better painter, so I'm going to pay to look at your paintings or to buy your stuff. And it's, it's wonderful to see mastery, but we've sort of taken that agency away from ourselves to just like sing or to say, because everyone can sing, right? Yeah. It, and it feels good, even if you think you're bad at it. And it's just, these are things that we've kind of lost in the modern age. Singing together is really powerful. In fact, I think that's one of the most um, transcendent and ecstatic experiences in a live show when everyone is singing together. Yeah. Uh, because it's like a, it's the sound of unity, right? It's like, it's what we're all, essentially we're all striving and longing for an experience of connection and love and feeling like we belong. And, and then when we, when we blend our voices together, it's tangible. Like it's, it's not mental. It's like, it's a physical experience of like, we're all humming this sound. Um, there was a great, uh, quote I saw yesterday and my friend had posted up and it was, uh, it was about the Tao and it was to your point about how we're all creators. And it says the Tao is the great mother, empty yet inexhaustible. It gives birth to infinite worlds. It is always present within you. You can use it in any way you want. And I thought that was so amazing because essentially we are all creating our world and our reality. Like we are all working with the same substance, which is life. Some of us create um, really beautiful things. Some of us create really destructive things, but we're all working with the same stuff. And, um, it's just kind of interesting. It's like it's it's empty and inexhaustible. Everyone has access to it. it. It stretches in all directions. It's inside us as well as around us. It's sort of what I imagine the Jedi, you know, call the Force. Um, and you know, we all we all can play with it. We can sculpt with it. We can create words with it. Poetry, songs, fashion, dance. Um, we can be silent in it. We can mm -hmm. we can share it with others by just being present. And it's just this all-encompassing power, this energy, this light, this creativity, this potential. There's a, a beautiful saying in the yoga tradition that, you know, the, the tree exists in the seed. The entire ocean exists in a drop of water. The, the vast amount of stars in the entire universe is within you, is within us. And uh, it's up to us what we want to do with that. We, could create a, we can create a hell realm or we can create a heavenly realm. Um, it just depends on our values and our priorities, I guess. Well, I I agree with you, and I. But let me play devil's advocate for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the, here's the criticism I would see being levied at us. It's like, okay, two white guys who uh, have had a lot of good uh, fortune and luck in their lives, and have you know they grew up in ways that gave them a lot of benefits, and so the stuff that they have to work with is better than someone who uh, perhaps didn't have the same advantages in their eyes or grew up in a way where they didn't feel like they could just grab their bootstraps. Uh, but so they might 
have a criticism saying, look, it's not as simple as just working with the Tao and the empty space and the force of the universe to create your reality. Not that that's what you're saying. Uh, what would your response be to that? Do you need more information? <laughs> or am I not explaining this correctly? No, I just listen. As a inter- that's a as a valid perspective. I mean, there's infinite perspectives and vantage points about uh, who carries more suffering, and I think it's kind of relative. And it, it's it's interesting, right? Like every human being who exists on this planet will experience some form of sickness. Their body will corrupt and die, and everyone they know and love will ultimately get sick and die. And I think the ground floor of that is regardless of how how much financial resources you have, which in some cases what I've witnessed because, you know, I I grew up in a middle-class family and, but I've also experienced people who are extremely wealthy being absolutely mentally just in so much pain and suffering more than anyone else I've seen. So it's kind of, it depends on the perspective because um, you know, having traveled a bit around the world and, and connected and having friends all over the earth and, and interacted and bit, having conversations, I really do find that there is a, a, a common denominator that we all share regardless of our class or, or station in life. And that is, you know, from the Buddhist perspective, that we're all dealing with a difficult amount of pain and suffering and struggle. And we all, we, there's different degrees of it. And you can be in the same family growing up in the exact same house and one brother or one sister will, will have so much more pain and suffering than Mm -hmm. another sibling. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's hard to kind of generalize and categorize in that broad stroke kind of way, because I, I, I can't really speak to that because I don't really, I can only speak to my experience yeah, and the soul's journey is unique at the end of the day. And yeah. you know, everything that you experience is is very unique to your path. Your path is your path. And it's not to say like go fuck yourself. It's more like your path is unique. Like it's uniquely yours. And you know, there's no way for me to even know if the consciousness that I experience is the same that you experience or anyone else experiences. I just I feel that it is, but I really don't know. And I I couldn't even say I couldn't if this isn't, you know, just all some vast matrix dream or whatnot. But I know that you can't buy your way out of consciousness and you can't, uh, you can distract yourself for a long time, but it always catches up with you. And that's where that's, that suffering can be quite deep. And there's just, there's no escape from that other than that your, your felt experience of the moment of what it means to be alive for you and to be engaged in this world on that unique path that you're in. And that's where the rubber really meets the road because that's that really comes down to you. There's no other way around it. Here, here's an interesting dichotomy. So I've spent time like in India with mystics who don't have many physical possessions at all and who seemingly are in a state of just joy in service and love and, and an ecstatic mood of devotion. And then I've spent time with people who are, you know, millionaires and they're just completely like chained elephants and just miserable and critical and judgmental. And, and so it's on the surface, it doesn't make any sense. Right. It's like, so to me, it, it, it points toward this, uh, there's, 
there's a teaching in the philosophy of yoga and it comes from the yoga sutras was written you know several thousand years ago by this great poet saint uh named patanjali and he said the root of our human suffering and he was like a psychologist essentially he said the root of our human suffering comes from one thing in his in his view or her view you know it could have been a collection of people that got together and wrote this scripture but we we classified as Patanjali. Um, through the, the view of Patanjali, the root of all suffering is misidentification. Is Misidentification. So if you think you're white, if you think you're male, if you think you're female, you think you're Republican, you think you're Democrat, you think you're, you know, this age, this class, this many followers, like all the things that we sort of grab onto as who we think we are, all of that stuff is the root of all human suffering. And so the second part of that is what happens when we misidentify it hardens into a knot or a fist called the ahamkar, the ego. So we start to become more dense and thick in this illusion and it creates this pattern of desires and aversions. So we start to move into our likes and dislikes. We move and chase our pleasures, the things that we like that kind of reaffirm who we think we are. And we run from the things we're afraid of, the things that sort of threaten who we think we are, the things that are painful. Um, and then that ultimately hardens into the final, uh, what's called a klesha, the final of affliction, which is fear. And so all of our fear and suffering stems from this misidentification of thinking we are something that we are not, which creates a not. And that ultimately becomes fear of death because we think that we are this personality. And so that the idea of this personality being destroyed completely um, shakes us to our core. And then we start acting in ways that are sort of against our own nature because we're trying to protect something that's not real. With fear of death, I've I've talked about that before on the podcast and about how I think that everything we do is stemming from that, essentially, whether we see it or not. Uh, it's like the great truth that we can't, uh, a lot of us are running from or reacting to or reverberating against. And it's a powerful, it's the most yes. powerful force in our life. And especially for our ego, you know, having the knowledge of that, it's like, it's quite shattering, right? Because for the ego, it's the mind itself. It just can't grok it. <laughs> and it wants to, like everything else. It wants to put it in a compartment and put it on the shelf and catalog it and be like, great, I understand that. So now here's the recipe and the formula to complement those afflictions. Soak the mind and the consciousness in the energy and the power and the presence of love itself loving kindness so the the formula to relieve yourself from a suffering is resolve all of those things back into their source so resolve the mind back into the source trace the senses back to their root move back into that place that existed before the personality developed before we started to learn symbolic language before we started to adapt to our culture, our customs, our traditions, our rituals, before we hardened into all those things, it becomes a spiritual practice, whether it's through meditation or concentration, being in nature, some sort of uh, discipline to be able to draw all of that back down and boil it into its essence. 
and then be with that in that space. And it starts to relieve the tension and the, the pounds of pressure that build up from the, the misidentification. And it starts to free up our consciousness. It unravels the knots inside the chest. It's, it releases all the birds from the cage. You know, it, 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 all the flowers start to pop and everything can just be as it is without all the extra added sort of superimposed pressure of fear of death. And nature can do its thing. And we can sort of glide gracefully through the seasons of our life with this deeper awareness that I am something that is much deeper than the, the shell and the husk of this body. I am something much more profound, more loving, more wise, and more kind than the chatter of this thinking mind. Um, you know, essentially, I am the universe, and I am peace itself. I am love. I am light. I am darkness. I am all these things. I am what the yogis call the Atman, the self, or what the Buddhists would call the, the shunyata, the emptiness, the void, which essentially is filled with bliss and delight because it's not bound or attached. Um, and in that practice, which is really, this is the point of all yoga practice, all, all sadhana, is like to, to have that experience of setting yourself free. It's like catch and release. Catch yourself so you can free yourself. Uh, so that's why I'm so fascinated and interested in yoga because it, it seems to me that in my, I, you know, I've only been practicing for about, you know, about 20 years, which is really a drop in the bucket. But in my, in my experiences, I found there is a, a method in a way um, to get out of our own suffering and, and to get into our own sort of um, our own bliss, as Joseph Campbell would say. Mm -hmm. Well, where does the MC fit in? Because I mean... <laughs> For me, like I'm less of a yogi, and so I lean a bit more on perhaps nature and music, and and music is a big part for you too. And I've always seen, you know, music is so fundamental in the universe and our experience, and so ancient in a way of working with our emotions and our consciousness and our physicality, and and pushing us and helping us guide us into these areas where we can work with a lot of these feelings, this loving and kindness that you're speaking of. You know, what role does that play for you in the creation of your music and your creative process? Well, when I set out, um, so, you know, growing up, I was, I was not, I didn't discover yoga till I was uh, 17 and I, I had been living in a group home uh, for at-risk youth for about two and a half years because I was getting into, I was a juvenile delinquent, getting into a lot of trouble with the law and getting kicked out of school and doing drugs and getting involved and, you know, wrapped up in violence and stuff like that. So like yoga was really far from my reality, but I'd grown up, you know, listening and to hip hop and performing as an MC and I was a graffiti artist and, you know, my friends would break dance and, you know, we, you know, that was sort of our, you know, my thing growing up with my friends and my, my crew. And, and um, when I discovered yoga at 17, uh, thanks to my dad, it really, my life went through like a 360 degree transformation where instead of looking for security on the outside, I, I discovered a practice in a path where I could go back into my own interior space and, and connect to something that was deeper on a consistent basis through yoga and meditation. And it was, you know, through through the practice of devotion and and developing a, 
you know, connection to nature, like you're saying, and music. And so when I started to do those practices and travel to India and studying with different teachers, and of course I met and fell in love with my wife, Amanda, who's an amazing um, teacher as well. And she's also a graffiti artist. And we kind of went on this journey together of going to India. My music and art, everything started to change. It, it, it started to become less and less about me my you know little self and the theme started to become a little more universal it started to become more about you know philosophy and mythology and and the things i was realizing through my practices my music became an outlet and a platform to share it was like sort of like my uh, my journal in a way and so the mc met the yogi when i was 17 and that's what propelled me on this path of becoming MC Yogi. And um, I, I talk a lot, I, really, I, I talk about it. I, I wrote a book you were mentioned earlier called Spiritual Graffiti. And um, it's been an my teacher Larry used to always say that when, if you really devote yourself to a practice, to a discipline, you really give your, your life to it and commit to it, you, you will discover uh, yourself to be much deeper and much greater than you ever imagined yourself to be. And where there were once walls, you will find doors. And that has been my experience because I never in a million years would have imagined that I'd be collaborating with you, performing, you know, in front of thousands of people, you know, writing a book, um, interacting with all these incredible, you know, luminaries and inspiring teachers but it was really through the yoga that opened all those doors to me because otherwise I was closed down to myself. I was numb. I was using drugs, you know, to kind of numb my pain. You know, I was dealing with a lot of internal torment, suffering and struggle and, and anxiety and depression. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, yeah, it was like, it was thick, you know, was, I was like a, I was like a hard coconut that needed to be cracked. Where, where are you at? Where's your edge now with that? Like, where's, where are things at with your music that music I mean, like what's the, you know, what's the edge of that with you now and I, I, I totally I'm just getting some kind of feedback from your your microphone maybe you're can you hear um me coming through your mic like yeah. an echo yeah I hear a little bit maybe lean back maybe that's better yeah there we go anyway I was asking what's what's your edge now like with your with your music and how it relates to like where you're all coming from in that past to be completely honest with you you just you just uh you just said it my edge is i i get too close to it and i need to lean back (laughs) 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 i'm too much of a perfectionist you know like well um, right that's interesting let's take this back then how does that relate to where you started with all this in your path you know being too you're saying too close to something what does that do does that bring too much self-awareness? Does that bring too much self-criticism? Or is that bringing just, you too close to what? It just tightens the fists of the blood can't flow. Ah. And, I, and I think that um, sometimes when you're too close to something is because you're afraid and you're trying to like protect some part of yourself that's fearful. Yes. And so it's like, it's like this armor. And, you know, nature's, nature is wise. Like we have armor, like the immune system is our armor, right? Like we have armor... We have helmets, swords, shields. We have those things for a reason because we do need to survive in the wilderness. Yes. But when those things are used out of context and in the wrong places, it creates suffering and pain. 
um, because it's coming from that misidentification of, I think I'm something that I am not. So now I'm protecting something that's not real. And I, I will go to literally go to war for that, which is like the history of humanity is we've literally massacred each other trying to protect something that's not real. Um, whether it's like a, a religion or a theology or a philosophy, like it, when it gets to that place where we have to destroy others in order to protect what, what we think is ours, that is the, the, the end result of that, what Patanjali says, the root of suffering is you think you're something that you're not and you're yeah. caught up. Yeah. Do you think you own the, the creativity that comes through you? I mean, no, I, just, I mean, I don't, I don't beat my own heart. Like I don't heal my own wounds. Like I don't blink my own eyes. This is all happening. So I, I really truly think that mother nature is doing everything, but we also live in a system of human beings where there's like a banking system and like a school system and edu- you know, so we have to also like adapt and be able to like maneuver and work inside these structures but they're not always, the structures aren't always like rooted in nature and truth. So they all, oftentimes we have to shake up the structure and, and free it up and unclench that fist and let it circulate and be refreshed. Because as we're seeing with the government, with the banking system, like so many of our human institutions have become corrupt. Um, and so it really is up to, to people to, within those systems to change them but it's it's not easy. It's uncomfortable, you know. It's like because there's so much um, there's so much hardness in tradition. Well, it but starts. Yeah, it starts from your own internal practice. There's no other place it can come from is from the inside out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, so if if you're saying in some ways your edge right now, I like this is to lean back. Your yeah. in your edge at the moment is to lessen the tightening of the grip so the blood can flow. And but I totally. The- Go ahead. At the, at the same time, and I'm I, I, sorry to interrupt. At, at the same time, we have to, we still have to hold it, because if you don't hold it at all, it just kind of spills everywhere, and it's nothing, yes. right? So, it's that balance. If you have to hold things lightly, this is what I'm learning. Like I'm not a master at this in any way, shape, or form yet. Like I'm, I'm in the process of understanding it. But if we hold it too tightly, it it, it cuts it off. If we hold it too loosely, it's it falls apart. So what is that middle space of like engaging in the creative process, being involved in it, but also not stifling it, you know? Well, that, and I wonder sometimes it has to be, it has to be like everything else in life, a back and forth, just like meditation. Because if we think we're going to get to this place, we're holding it perfectly. It's like, well, you're going to drop it and then you're going to go this (laughs) way. And and that's, that's the dance that we're doing. And I think if you can accept that dance. And have compassion with yourself in the same way, like when you're meditating, the compassion, be like, oh, there's, there I am thinking, or, you know, and and you just let that go and come back, come back, come back, in, out, in, out. And you know how it is, like you have days where like, you're really flowing and days where it just feels like hitting the wall, you're you're pulling horse shit out of a pile and yeah, yeah. And that's that. That is that is the process. I, I must imagine for everyone, every every artist, every person. Inhale, exhale. There, there was a great teaching that I, I received yesterday, and it was uh, from this gardener, and, and uh, it was about the, the, the practice of trust. You know, there's certain things we can trust. Like we, we wake up in the morning, we trust that the sun is going to be shining. We trust that the wind is blowing, the tide is going to be moving, the heart, you know, things are happening. Uh, 
It says when you, when you set out on a creative project, essentially what you're doing is you're creating an intention. You're planting a seed of what it is you'd like to create. Now, it's never ever going to turn out exactly how you imagine because nature's not like that. You plant a seed and you can't always dictate which direction the branches are going to go, right? But you know there'll be branches. Yeah. But the, the magic is that every day when you show up to do your work, whether it's working on a song or a book or a movie or a film, your job is to water that seed with your, with your effort and your energy, your attention. What your job is not is to pull that seed out of the earth every day and look at it and ask, is this still growing? And I think sometimes that's what we do is we, we keep pulling these seeds out of the earth to look at them because we're afraid, is this actually working? Yeah. And I think when we have the trust in nature that this, this is going to be an album, this is going to be a book, this is going to be a podcast, you know, this is going to be whatever seed we created, it is going to happen. But we have to just tend to it, water it, maybe pull some of the weeds around it, and just trust when it's time, it's going to happen. And yeah, um, you hit the nail on the head with how I've spoken about being, you know, identifying with the fruits versus the labor. You need to let that tree grow, and then the fruits are what you can pick, not the tree before right. it grows. And you being the honor that you bring to it is your will, like your right. discipline to be like, I'll put in the time. What comes out of that is the muse, all these things. I'll I'll hone my vessel and and put and and work on it in a consistent way, little bricks at a time, you know, watering that garden. And that's that's a really beautiful way to think about the the creative process. So I mean in that in that sense, what are you watering right now? You got back from Sri Lanka. Yeah. You're you're a world famous international yoga rock star. You have a book well, out. You well that's a- all that's all misidentification. <laughs> <laughs> that's all suffering. <laughs> Um, it's true. It's yeah. true. You're right. <laughs> but what what I'm watering right now is um, about I don't know, say like thirty demos. I want to guess they're more like a hundred in your mind. Yeah, it's probably like a hundred. Lots of beats and little melodies and exactly. <laughs> um, but no, just really, um, you know what what you said really triggered something in me, and I really appreciate it because it. When, when you focus on the quality of your work and you release the, the fruit, the outcome, it really is the essence of what Sri Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, which is focus on your work and take joy in your work and release the outcome and let the outcome become an offering to the universe. Because if you're just focused on how much money you're going to make or how many followers you're going to get or any of those things it's just going to create suffering because once again, you're misidentifying with something that you are not. Yeah. And it's shitty art usually because it's pandering, right? You're trying yeah, to, to make exactly. what you think people want. Superficial. It, it has to come from that place. I, I think Beck had a great little comment. I heard him say, it's like, look, you have to realize when you're going into the studio, you're just making noise. Yeah. You can't, <laughs> That's if, great. You, if you have to start from like, I don't know what we're doing, but we're, we're just making a lot of gobbledygook noise right now and we'll deal with the song act. You know, we'll make it awesome later. But right now I got the freedom to just yeah. make crazy shit and throw That's things so cool. around and make it messy and, and yeah. tear things down and put a new thing in and just play. So yeah, that element of play. And That's, yeah, That's why they call it playing music. That's right. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard like when you do it for a living because there's 
there's that knowledge in the back of your mind about when something needs to be, you want it to be finished or what you want it to be or how you want to work with it. And at the end of the day, you sort of on some level need to let a part of that go, particularly at the very beginning of yeah. a creative process, because it's so fragile. It's like you said, like a little seed and you just got to let that little seed take shape and then you'll find out what kind of plant it is. Yeah. And I, you know, I, um, I experienced that when I, cause I'd never written a book before. When I wrote my book, I got some of the best advice I'd ever received. And that was don't edit in the beginning. Like just, oh, yeah. just spill everything out onto the page and create a huge messy lump of clay. And then you can shape it later, but just get your ideas and down. And then, you know, editing comes way later once you actually have something to edit. I feel that way with music too. Like, I like to like create for a while, a few weeks, a month, six weeks, and then, then go back and look because yeah, I can get yeah. into their different brains, you know, yeah. it's a different process. Well, you're, I have to, I have to acknowledge and give you a lot of credit because you have something in you that I really uh, wish I had as a creator, which is you have this two sides of you, which is really amazing because you're a, a brilliant um, composer. So you have that artistic side connecting to spirit and nature and really channeling these amazing, gorgeous sounds. But then you also have this other side where you're also an incredible engineer and you can oh, edit. Thanks, and, and Well, that's, that's, that's pretty rare. You know, like I'm kind of just like the big messy guy. Um, and I can, you know, have some fun and kick up some dust and like make some big noise. But, you know, I don't necessarily have that same skill set of being able to like really engineer and uh yeah it definitely is its own thing and it's something that i picked up initially just because i had to like there was yeah. no one to help me and i just had to learn as i go i think i've probably put through 20 25 albums not just with these forest and you just get better as wow. you do it and yeah i and even now like i'm super humbled because it's one it they call it engineering for a reason like it's a deep deep thing and there's so much more for me to learn but i'm also very focused on the sonic like the sound itself yeah. and i want a very particular it's not just like hey i want a piano it's like i want a piano that sounds this way yeah you know and yeah, know. that to me evokes a certain feeling and i'm going i'm chasing the feeling more than i'm trying to just like have the piano sound or whatever that sound like you were all about that. You maybe just didn't know what knob to turn, but you were all about vibe, right? Yeah, like you were all about true. that. You kept saying it over and over and over again. Like either we had the vibe or we didn't. And that was because it's, and I'm the same way. It's all about the feel. My, my buddy Lenny and I, we got this joke where it goes, in the beginning was the vibe and the vibe was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're trying to find it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's true, man. Like, um, you know, I really, I really value and respect that. That is, I wonder if that's like why, like an engineer is because you're driving this train of thought that's pulling so many compartments and you got to keep it on track and get it to its destination. And that's not an easy task to be able to like deliver something and bring it home like that. So I, I really respect that. Yeah. It's gotta be high pressure too, when you're working with other people and it's one thing to sit there and fiddle endlessly on your own thing and be frustrated. Right. But when someone's trying to get a sound and you have to try to figure out how to do it. 
Um, yeah, well, you definitely shouldn't fiddle on your own thing too long because you, <laughs> you could go blind, I think. <laughs> yeah, I turn into a werewolf, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the creative process is such a mystery, man. It's You definitely need the left and the right side to the brain to really, you know, bring it home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a practice like everything else. And it's something that you have to have a lot of compassion and time. I think that's yeah. what separates a lot of the wheat from the chaff is just those who just put in the time and are willing to be disciplined and consistent. It's amazing what you can do despite talent or all these other things. It's just really yeah. about sticking with things. And you can make that you can make a lot of amazing things if you just do a little bit at a time. Oh, a little bit every day goes a long way. And I, I think the thing that really... Um, you know, can be, you know, you're, when you talk about earlier about your, your edge, like when you hear people um, criticize a film or a book or an album or a song mm-hmm. and they don't really make those things and, don't, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't really know like what it takes to make those things like yeah. You know, you want to please your audience. You want to make stuff that's going to enhance the lives of your audience. So those opinions are are important and they're valid, but sometimes they're just really hard to to hear because it's really easy to like react very knee-jerk way. Oh, I don't like that. You know, it's like, it goes back to that. What we mentioned earlier about Patanjali, about likes and dislikes. And if there's something that you see that kind of, makes you question your identity, uh, maybe your cultural identity, or maybe your, um, you know, some part of yourself that you like or don't like, but you're seeing some art and it's kind of like. Shakes you out of your dream a little bit. You're not going to like that, you know, mm-hmm. like. It, it's uncomfortable. It will, yeah. It's uncomfortable. And, and a lot of like um, big artists who are like really provocative and, you know, they'll put out content and, and people will just they will hate it to a degree that I'm like, wow, it's like, it's amazing. It can elicit that kind of response. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, art is really powerful because it can kind of really shake you to your core and and kind of, it can wake you up or it can dull you and lull you back to sleep. So I'm trying to do both. (laughs) I'm trying to (laughs) lull people into sleep in some form of wakefulness, like (laughs) to offend them with beauty. I don't know. That's awesome. Um, so this podcast, Nick, is called 10 Laws with these Forests because I'm kind of exploring in different people, uh, which we've been doing, but sort of their own path and what their own laws are that perhaps they've developed in their life, their own set of stars that help keep their their ship sailing straight. And I'm always curious if you have any practices or maxims or things you're like, hey, I, this is something I don't do anymore. Like I don't smoke weed much anymore. That was a long time ago. But I mean... That's an easy one, but um, mm-hmm. some people have, have talked about things they, how they try not to do things, or the type of space they try to bring into their life, or an energy they try to cultivate, or a tea they drink every day. Right. Um, you have anything like that that you've sort of just discovered along the way for yourself? It's very personal. Um. Yeah, there's a, there's a type of tea I drink. It's called cappuccino. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you I like. Can, I, 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 yeah, we had some good coffee drinks uh, when we were working. I do. I love coffee. I love tea. I love Tulsi tea, actually, which is mm. uh, holy yeah. basil. You ever me. do guayusa? Uh, yeah, I do love that too. Um, I think the thing for me, I need a cave. 
Um, and it's really important. I'm, you know, I, I, I joke to my wife that she married a caveman because you know, <laughs> I, I got my man cave and, and, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's like, a. I don't know what it is, but it's something about going into a dark room with all my stuff in it. And I could turn my music up loud and just be in my own space. Maybe it goes back to when I was a little kid and my parents were getting divorced and I just put my headphones on and kind of went into my own zone to like kind of, you know, escape all the pain that was going on in the home. And, but there's something that kind of lends itself to, you know, escaping the pain of the world in my room and then bringing forth the things that are inside me that are transcendent of that pain and, and really turning that, that into, into music and into art, into like whether it's drawing or, or editing designs or, or songs. I think it's just going into that, that, you know, it's actually a physical space. And that physical yeah. space kind of uh, mirrors that internal cave of being able to escape the matrix, so to speak, and bring out what is truly authentic to my being, my heart, my soul, and then you know, having the courage to share that because it's not always easy to, sh- to, to share your soul with the world. It, it takes a real sort of warrior, courageous spirit to be able to do that because, you know, the world is, an, is a beautiful place, but as we know, it's not always the most kind place. Um, and so it's, you know, it's being innocent, having a space where I can get into my own innocence and my own childlike sort of energy and then being an adult where I can go out and actually work it and, and tour it and deliver it and share it. It's kind of finding that balance. So I, I just need, you know, I need a man cave and a big ass stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely can see how that, I mean, just from knowing you, I can see how like having physical, recluse space and also you do that and you do that with your mind too a bit i know it's helpful for you to kind of go in and just sort of like it's a way of recharging yeah uh, and that's also where a lot of your personal creative space seems to come from is sort of this very small intimate personal process yeah. and then it's sort of like letting it come out from there or it seems like an energy that you need to cultivate that's how i oil the dream machine <laughs> 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 and that's how you work on the outside yeah <laughs> well that's awesome do you have anything else any other little tippies um uh, you know collaborate with inspiring people like yourself and other people who have a shared desire to really create beauty in the world and, and make something that's you know genuine authentic and um and uh, you know re- reading uh, I def- I'm a huge comic book nerd. I read yes. <laughs> thousands and thousands of comic books, which, you know, I, I think in the old days, people used to kind of look down on comic books. But I think now now that the nerds reign supreme, I think <laughs> that people have a deeper understanding that like graphic novels and comic books are actually brilliant, sophisticated ways to communicate ideas and stories. And um, so I love reading. I love just like soaking and saturating my mind in stories, comic books, movies. I love video games. Um, I love color. I love animation. Um, and I just genuinely am a huge, huge fan of, of human creativity, especially when it's used for uh, 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 a, a benign purpose, you know, a, a, to benefit and uplift society. I just think that's so yeah, celebrate. 
Yeah. Well, cool, um, man. And then, of course, I you know I spend a lot of time with my wife, who's also an artist. So, you know, we're we over the years we've learned how to really um, gently criticize each other. <laughs> 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 you know, because you know we you know she'll ask my advice and I'll ask her advice, and she actually gives me really really good feedback. She's like, you know, got to be honest, this song kind of stinks. You know, like you know, or or she'll be painting something, and I'm like, you know, sweetie. I really think you should try this other color as a background. And, you know, at first it's like difficult. You don't want to hear, you don't want to hear anything from anyone. Right. You know? yeah. like, Leave me alone. I'm doing my thing. But then like when you, when you listen and take it in, you're like, actually, you know what? She makes a really good point. And yeah. Having to- those trusted confidants for creative criticism. It's like, don't ask anybody. You know? Yeah. Don't ask anybody because <laughs> not everybody Everyone's got an opinion and it might not be that relevant and it's yeah. going to, it's going to stick. Yeah. yeah, it's right. That's right, man. It's, it's funny how those, those things stick to your ribs and you got to really work to, to polish them and get them off. Do you find any uh, danger from that from even things like your social media existence, like a way that you have to be a little bit, have some armor up or manage how the energy of that? Well, earlier you were saying like, what's your edge? And there's nothing that kind of irks me and rubs me the wrong way and pisses me off and makes me frustrated more than social media. Um, Because I just find myself really judgmental, really critical. I look at how people are talking into their phones and I'm like, really? Like It it feeds that part of the brain, like on purpose. Yeah. it's it's, As a way of getting our attention, you know, it's like a low base thing. It's the train wreck you can't look away from, and it's literally <laughs> the definition of distraction. You're off track, yeah. yeah. You know, and so, you know. But then at the same time, like you're saying, it's that double-edged sword because I'll go on to so Instagram, and some people will post just like I follow a lot of um, muralists and graffiti writers and, and DJs, and some of the stuff that I see on there, it's like, wow, I would never see this any other way. Sure. And so it's a great window into your process. And I really, I, I love that part of it. All the other ego personality stuff is just so much noise that it can be annoying. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's one of your five edged swords or razor blades. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> the, it's, it's the. Cool, man. Well, we can, we can wrap this up. I know I got to get going, but I wanted to just ask you like, what you're up to right now, where people can find you. You got your book. That's out everywhere, right? Yeah, Spiritual Graffiti is out everywhere. And I'm so, it's such a huge honor because I just got like a silver award for best memoir of 2017 from this Nautilus award, uh, which was amazing. I wasn't expecting that. And that's awesome. And it was like, uh, you know, the, like Thich Nhat Hanh got that award and these amazing luminaries who I look up to and I was just kind of blown away. And when we got the email, we were in Sri Lanka and I, and I told Amanda, I said, sweetie, I got the, I got an award. And she says, what is it? And I said, it's the, the Nautilus silver medal. And she goes, we're number two. We're number two. We're number two. <laughs> I, I just like that it's a Nautilus. But <laughs> yeah, I love the Nautilus, man. And, and so, um, yeah, just sharing the book. And, you know, there's an audio book that I recorded, which is pretty cool. And oh, you did? Cool. Yeah, and, and is so that out? It's out. It's like it's on Audible, and nice. actually, you know, the crazy thing is when you and me were working on our record, Ritual yeah. Mystical, yeah, which people can also check out on like Spotify and iTunes. Um, I was 
the book deal had just come in. So I was just starting the book process. You were writing and it was, that was, there was so much going on at that time. And you were like, every weekend you were flying and doing two different cities. And we'd meet up like Monday, Thursday, Friday. And then you were supposed to write too. I think I'm going to be a lot more focused on, I'm hoping we can do (laughs) ritual mystical part two. That's my, what do you call it? We could call, I don't, oh my gosh. Don't Lean back, us, release the fist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. And you have mcyogi.com, right? Yeah, MCYogi. Sort of central portal. dates on there. And, you know, we're going to Panama this fall and uh, we'll, go, we'll be going back to Sri Lanka next year. So I, I love the retreats because it gives, it gives Amanda and I opportunities to really like drop yeah. in with people. and Yeah, it's FaceTime, man. It's like real. Yeah, it's yeah. real. And I, yeah. I just... You know, the older I get, the more I really value and appreciate just real human connection. That's all there is in a lot of ways, right? That's yeah. what it is all about. We're all dancing around that. Yeah. Yeah, cool, that's man. the spark. Well, cool, man. I've really, it's always great to hang out with you, Trevor, man. I can't wait to get back in the studio with you. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing the new digs, and thanks for talking. Yeah, anytime, bro. Well, there it is. Thank you to MC Yogi for joining us really had a good time having that conversation the the track you're hearing right now is a remix of the song circle the sun which was from ritual mystical and this remix was done by keith sweaty and mc yogi's been super kind he's offering this as a free download for anyone who would like it as part of this podcast so i've put that on the music page of eastforest.org you go over eastforest.org hit the music tab and find your way to the Ritual Mystical album, and I will add this track to, uh, you know, the list of songs there as, I don't know, a bonus track or something, and it'll be free if you'd like to download that particular track. Also, if you like this podcast, please don't forget to review it. It's really easy to do on your phone. You can just drag down there to the bottom, I think, of the, the iTunes stuff about the podcast and hit five stars, type in a quick little review. makes a big difference. Please do share it with your friends. Send us your notes, send us your questions, send us your comments, info at eastforest.org, and uh, we'll read some of them on the air. So keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit, but if you do, do it with grace. Grace.